When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Bandy, do you want to have a look around the house? Oh, I'd love Come and have to. a look. I feel like I'm in an Instagram post. You are in an Instagram post. I know, it's really weird whenever anybody comes around, they're like, oh, this is what it looks like in real life. So, this is the TV snug in here. Oh, yes. This is, this is <laughs> oh, what I'd call correct. This is like, we've swapped roles. I suddenly yeah. feel like you're the judge. I'm judging. I'm judging. I'm judging all He's your judgy, judgy. It's gorgeous. You've flogged Kate's colour palette. Am I through to the next round, Bando? We'll see. <laughs> I think she needs to come on the sofa with me mm. and you. We do have some feedback. Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'm Sophie Robinson. And I'm here to remind you about our Great Indoors Insiders, where you can enjoy many benefits. From ad-free listening, bonus episodes, exclusive interviews useful newsletters as well as live webinars and first dibs on any ticketed events that's right for less than a pound a week you can show your love and support for the show and we promise in return we will put your hard-earned subscription towards improving the podcast creating even more content and nurturing our lovely community so to find out more and to start enjoying the benefits today visit thegreatindoorspodcast.com Now today we are coming to you from the sylvan glades of Sophie's house. There is green grass, there are big trees and squirrels under the leaden skies of East Sussex. There is also the gentle scratching of F or is it Jeff pottering a... Jerry. (laughs) F in Jerry. Pottering around his leopard print cage. Of course he's got a leopard print cage. I will take a picture for the Insider's newsletter. And if that's not a reason to sign up, I don't know what is. (laughs) Now, Kate is not the only visitor I have today in my home. We are super excited to welcome this week's guest to the Great Indoors. All the way from his cheese farm on the Isle of Mull and taking a break from filming his TV show, we are thrilled to welcome interior designer and previous winner of Interior Design Masters. It's the one and only Banjo Beal. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, it's very exciting. So, Banjo left Australia in 2014 on a one-way ticket for Sri Lanka to travel the world. He ended up in Scotland with his husband Ro and the pair took over a cheese farm. Since winning Interior Design Masters in 2022, he has gone on to film his own TV show, Designing the Hebrides, now on its second series, as well as hosting Scotland's Home of the Year. And his book, Wild Isle Style, which we reviewed on the podcast recently, came out in October. So Banjo, I'm just so delighted that you've managed to find the time in your busy schedule to be with us down here in East Sussex. So first of all, how come you're around my neck of the woods? Well, I'm shopping for my new show. Uh, so I've been at the Antique Fair in Ardingly, which oh, is just love it a there. hunting ground for treasure. One-stop shop for me that I can just run around 
hoover everything up mm. and just then hit the road back home. Is it very expensive though? Because it's one of those famous ones. Mm. I've not been, but I, it's the one that everybody talks about. Mm. And I sort of assume that now I can't go because it's too expensive. Or I, do you know people? Uh, I, well, you got to know people, but you got to scratch underneath the surface. There's this really posh lane where all the expensive stuff is, and that's where people head first. But when you go around the perimeter, that's where that, the bargains are You want to go around the made. back. Good round yeah. the back of the sheds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. So um, um, we'll get into your new show mm-hmm. because it is brilliant. I suppose, first of all, shall we just rewind back to when I first met you? Mm-hmm. Which In was... a car park. Oh, Glamour. Do you remember? Wasn't that a school car park? A sc- oh, yeah, it sounds dodgy. <laughs> it does sound quite dodgy. He's already been round the back of the bikes to get his antiques and now he's meeting people in car parks. No. Well, I think you were judging mm-hmm. an episode of Interior Design Masters and you look lost. <laughs> and I knew who you were. You had no idea who I was. And I said, I think you're going that way. And oh. then we kind of walked off into the distance. That's right, because that was at a big school and you were doing six form common yeah. rooms, I yeah. seem to remember. And you did a fantastic Mr. Fox theme. We did. You loved it. Michelle hated it. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> That's kind of quite typical for me and Michelle. Yeah. yeah. Um, she really hated yeah. it. I think she was ready to boot me out that week. And I think I was just looking to you in the room for reassurance and I had tears running down my face or just holding oh, it back. Is this in the judging? In, in the, the judging, judging room. yeah. It's quite intense experience, isn't it? I think you get a feeling of the tension on TV, but actually being there. Oh. So just for anyone who hasn't watched the show, this is where after the makeover has been completed and uh, Michelle and the guest judge in this case, me, have looked around the room and done our judging and conferred on what we thought. That Then you get a short list of people who are on the bench, don't you, who mm. are up for the boot The bench out. is the... The boot the out sofa. bench. Do they call it the sofa? The sofa. The sofa. In Michelle's office. In Michelle's office. And she basically grills you to, mm. to try and see. You've got to win for your place in the competition, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, it's brutal because she's equal parts caring and terrifying. Yeah. So she is like a mother figure. I don't know if you watch RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> she is like a mother. Is she Mama Ru? <laughs> yeah, she's Mama Ru. You're probably Michelle Fassage. You're the, you're the auntie <laughs> that really cares about us. And um, Yeah, so it's tough and you just want her desperately to love you. Oh, <laughs> and you're hanging on every one of her words and when Michelle doesn't like it like my world just came crashing down yeah. because ultimately I mean it stops with her yeah. she doesn't always listen to what you say yeah. does she so yeah. yeah it was really hard that was my first time on the sofa it's really interesting to hear the sort of real emotion mm. in that because obviously I have only watched it on the telly box mm. and I'm also aware how things are edited and from what I remember of that series, I kind of looked at you in the first episode and, th- and thought, well, he's clearly going to win. Mm. So when that came round, I was a bit like, okay, this is just editing because Banjo's so clearly the winner. They've got to make him look oh, like he's really in trouble. <laughs> well, I'm assuming that's what they do on all the shows. So I just, so it's interesting mm. that, 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 I mean, you, didn't might not have known you were going to win, but I had assumed there was a bit mm. of editing to make you look like you were having a, a weak week, yeah. so that you know well, it didn't I look like you ran away with it. That that wasn't what was happening. Interesting. I don't think it is. So it's a bit more real. As, oh, yeah, it's way more real. What I've always thought is interesting about that show as well is, and I think this is where you've gone on to with your TV shows. It's the only one I can think of where you're not doing residential. I mean, mm. it's it's basically commercial, isn't yeah. it? It's shops and hairdressers and restaurants. 
And I remember in the very first series watching that and someone did a hotel room and it was sort of Victorian lace and frou-frou. And I said, oh, that's really pretty. And then one of the guest judges came in and went, that's a nightmare for cleaning in a hotel. Yeah. You can't have that. So it's it's quite a different approach yeah. to just doing, mm. you know, someone's bedroom yeah, or sitting room. Yeah, how did you room. find that? Well, I think, and I mean, going on to do interior design clients as well, it's so much more personal, a domestic residential space. So doing commercial spaces, you kind of have more carte blanche to go wild but there's more things that can go wrong and people have skin in the game it's their businesses and you have to get it right for their livelihood Mm. and if you come in and you mess that up the stakes are kind of high you Mm. want to do a good job for these people Um, and that's probably we don't really explore that but these are real clients with kind of real businesses that we're doing and that makes it even more difficult I think because you have to think about the practicalities and Michelle annoyingly is not just looking at pretty stuff, maybe yeah. like you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Michelle's thinking about cleaning and all of that boring all the stuff. Yeah, in all the, the commerciality. Mm. One of the things that I think really stood out for you in particular in the competition that was commented on week after week by the guest judges is your ability to tell a story. Mm and create a character. And I suppose this is quite niche to commercial projects because you don't have an actual person mm. that you're designing for. You don't have a lot of interaction even with the client, mm. do you, even with the no. owner of the space? Because that's, well, that's telly. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So you created these incredible characters who you yeah. thought you were designing for. And I just thought that was so genius. Can you explain how and why you create these stories and these characters for your project? I guess it was never intentional. I think the first week I was just having a little bit of fun with Rochelle, who I was designing with, and I thought, who are we actually designing for? And I know Michelle O'Gunderhan grew grew up in Manchester or went to university there, so I invented this alter ego of Trishelle, which is Michelle O'Gunderhan's <laughs> trashy younger sister. Trishelle. Or trashy younger self. I want to meet Trishelle. I know, me too. I reckon it's in there somewhere. Yeah. And and Trishelle, we were just building this apartment for Trishelle. She was a budding young magazine editor who loved to party. And so we went with it the first week. And then the next week, I thought, okay, who's my character this week? Um, and I thought of the drunk botanist because I was doing a hotel room that, I that, room that was kind of saturated. And it was this guy that moved back from Polynesia and he was drunk in his room documenting his specimens. And it was just a really great way for me, even when I was shopping, to check back in with my myself and think oh would the drunk botanist buy this so of course you'd have a stuffed pheasant and empty whiskey bottles and botanical prints so actually was a really good jumping off like point like a sense check as well yeah and, and so you if i'm understanding this right you invented mm. that idea mm. to get you through a tv show yeah do you still use it now because of course it's the same thing you're doing commercial yeah. spaces and the client is much more nebulous and you know yeah. does that well i do and sometimes i mean it's helpful to personify things when you don't have the person that you're designing for and that's probably my advertising background because that's what we would do you know when you're selling a tin of baked beans you'd invent the character Sophie from Sussex who loves baked beans and so you'd invent this backstory and you'd know what she looked like and then you'd check everything with it with my kind of clients now I sometimes cl- 
clients latch on to an idea if not so much as a person, but as a theme for a room. So I might, you know, suggest that we have an orangery and build some mythology around the orangery, even if it's just a little boring room. So I kind of, I think people latch on to something if it has a strong idea and concept around it. And I find it's way easier to convince a client basically to do what I want when I have a little story attached to it and a theme, as opposed to saying, let's just bring in lots of trees and this pattern and that pattern. Yeah. So it's adding another dimension of meaning yeah. and resonance for someone. So yeah. yeah so, so are you saying sort of typically be like, this is a color palette that works really nicely. And these are the patterns and mm. prints that go really well. And we should do this on the sofa, this on the walls with some yeah. curtains. Obviously, those are the bones of a colour mm, scheme, mm. but you'll actually add the flourish. Let's hear a bit more about Sophie from Sussex's Ideal Decor. <laughs> or even, you know, Kate from Crouch End. What's her, what, her room? You know, I think this is this is what we need. Well, no, I'm in it. I'm in your mind here. I think you're... You know, it's a scary place, but it's beautiful. <laughs> it's a scary place. Yeah. As we're hovered around a microphone together. Very close. Surrounded by an abstract woodland Oh, I can't yeah. possibly review your place and tell you what you like. I think you guys have very strong sense of self so you really know who you are and what you do and you wear it on your sleeve and you are chalk and cheese both of you but I think it's people that don't have that real sense of their own identity or the bravery to express themselves I'm finding a way to actually help them maybe find their alter ego or their design style oh I love that mm, find your that. alter ego yeah That's brilliant. so I love that I kind of ask my clients the very first question I asked them, it's like, if you could be one character in history or mythology, like, who would it be? So, <gasps> to find, yeah, so who would you be? But it's also things that like, I remember when I was a kid, the interiors that I loved when I was a kid and, like, Peter Rabbit's garden or the bed from Princess and the Pea, or I, I loved Madeline's little French house and, you know, that little cartoon. Um, I th- try and get them thinking about the interiors that excited them when we were a kid. As a kid. Bef- That's so interesting. Before people told us what was trendy yeah. um, and what we should like. So some people are so far removed from what they actually like. That is like. a really good yeah. point. I, I get asked a lot about how people can discover what colours they love. Mm. And I always sort of go back to that thing. You remember when you were a kid, you had really strong opinions yeah. on colour? Mm. Like little kids yeah. have favourite colours, don't yeah. they? Yeah. And then people grow up and go, oh, what, what shade of grey should I pick for my walls? And it's like, what's no. happened? When we're a bit more fearless and we're playful mm. and there was less at stake than choosing the right shade of grey but you had every colour of the rainbow to pick from Mm. and you just threw it on the wall and you loved it like that when I was a little boy I always probably felt like I should have been an interior designer every Sunday my mum would let me rearrange the furniture in our house and I lived on every week every Sunday without fail and did she leave it for the week or did she wait till you'd gone to bed and put it back again I always had to change it back at the end of the day and I lived on a racetrack with boys and it was quite a masculine rural town in Australia but we'd blast Neil Diamond and I'd rearrange the furniture and I would like I would absolutely love it and I'd be desperate every week for her to let me change my room and paint it a different color so when we're kids we're expressing ourselves Mm. more through our spaces but then somewhere along the way that kind of gets lost so part of your service if you like Mm. as an interior designer is to help people get 
reconnected. It's always been a bit therapy, hasn't it? Interior design, yeah. let's be honest. But I, still, I sort of can't speak now because I'm so busy wondering who Sophie would be if she could be any character from mystery. Yeah. I can't. I can't just... It's going to be somebody fabulous. Who is it, Carmen Miranda? Elizabeth the first. Oh, the yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it might be Carmen Miranda. That's yeah. it. You've yeah, got I'll it. get you some fruit later for your head, love. And who would you be? Well, I don't know. I'm wondering if I would like to be Elizabeth the first or Mary Quant. Oh. Who would you be, though? I don't know. I mean, you're so busy creating characters all the time. I know. Maybe I've lost myself. And even in my own house, I've just let it... I, I mean, I don't let many people into my house. It's much like my head, just a messy little place. I've probably neglected my own house kind of creating oh, this. So common but then. don't they say that, you know, just as builders' houses are mm. never done. Mm. You know, you're so busy doing things for everyone yeah. else that, that you've... I mean, I wonder, though, also, is that a reaction against creating spaces, both residential and commercial, Mm. for clients, for TV, Mm. you know, for your book, your writing and doing it all the time. Is it actually better that you can just go home and go, I don't, this doesn't have to be perfect. You know, I don't care if the sofa's sagging and I haven't repainted. But I think the thing, and I also tell my clients this as well, that the house is never finished. And um, I think oftentimes when people hire an interior designer and they want a full service, but I don't often want to offer that because I want it to grow and evolve with them. And, you know, I don't pick the client's artwork because I think that's so personal. And a home is never finished. And it really, if we're doing our job, it really has to be an extension of our clients and their lives they want to live and what they love. So it's about extracting for me who they are and how they want to live, which is hard and time consuming. And I haven't figured out the best way to do it yet. Not making a great business model. <laughs> no, I know. I'm still like, I'm still, I make friends, not money with my clients. Yeah. But you're also, I'm guessing, trying to give them the tools as you say it's not finished but you're saying well here's your your basic Mm. decor now I've helped you understand what you like and how you want Mm. to live go forth and yeah and and tweak and finish Yeah. yeah I think that's it unlocking their own design style giving people the confidence to actually make the decisions themselves and be a little bit more fearless because at the end of the day I mean it is just paint and pattern and we're not saving lives but we're making you know we're making spaces that we want to be in so I want people to just feel like they can just do it themselves as well I've always said like the best compliment for an interior designer and and I've talked to other interior designers about this is if at the end when say maybe they've got some friends around or they're showing they start saying oh yes and I chose this colour because it goes really well Mm. with this and oh I picked out this sofa and the interior designer standing there going oh you did did you (laughs) (laughs) but that's when you've done your job pretty well I wanted to come back to that point you say we're not saving lives Mm. and 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 no in the broad sense but equally I do think there's much more of an understanding now about how your mental health is oh, affected absolutely. by your surroundings yeah, and true. how it can boost them so mm. definitely helping people because once you give them the home they feel they need or were searching for yeah. everything else feels better well yeah I think that's it isn't it it's the power of good design to let people kind of have a space that they feel safe or inspired or just comforted in because that's I know how important my space is to me I need to retreat I'm not energized by other people I'm energized by being in a usually a dark room um, by oh, myself. I hear you Banjo <laughs> yeah. I hear you it's really she's the opposite so when Banjo arrived I gave him a quick tour of my home because obviously as everyone knows it's been newly decorated showed him the TV snug which is like mm-hmm. a dark cave and he went oh this is for me <laughs> 
I want to move in there. But I somehow sit between you two. I could go really bold and crazy and full of pattern and chaos and... Or I could just, you know, crawl into a dark hole. Mm. Ah. Yeah. So I I love both. And that makes it hard to design sometimes when you've got the whole spectrum of, you know, everything to draw on. So I think I'm still developing my own kind of signature style as well. What what would you say your signature style was or is? Well, for me, I really love saturated kind of spaces and um, full of kind of botanicals and really natural. I love texture and kind of reclaim materials and bringing it together in a kind of unexpected way. I, I still probably have to work on what that is. And every time, you know, I, I went into interior design masters never having designed yeah, a room. What made you um, apply? <laughs> oh, I ask myself that every day. <laughs> I think I was just at the cheese farm. I used to just turn cheese in the cellar. So 25 tr- kilo truckles of cheese every week you turn over you dip them in lard and massage them and then you've got hundreds of cheeses to turn and it sounds glamorous it's yeah not nearly as glamorous as you think so there Um, you were turning your cheese and dreaming (laughs) (laughs) basically and i watched interior design masters and i thought i could do this and so i applied on a whim not expecting to get through or not even telling anyone and somehow along the way they um, they put me on I think I was the last person cast in well, the series well I remember because I don't know if listeners know but my brother works mm-hmm. on the show my brother is actually here in the house as well today which is lovely mm-hmm. because obviously you know my brother Ed really well because he works on Design Masters off camera he's uh, the design producer and I remember when they cast for your mm-hmm. series and he went you'll never guess what we found a cheese, an Australian <laughs> cheesemaker from it's the Scotland. Isle of Man. Mel! It's <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> that casting director deserves yeah. like a BAFTA. That is oh, like amazing. Yeah. How yeah. did they find you? But you actually found me. I, I implied and then they weren't going to put me on for that reason. What would an Australian cheesemaker on Mull know about design? <laughs> and I begged them. They, they called me up and gave me every reason why I shouldn't do it. And it was obviously so far from home and I couldn't go home ever every week logistically it it took me away from my life for three months but it meant I was in it and I was kind of in it to win it and I drove 17,000 miles up and down the country picking up Facebook marketplace finds and really kind of immersing myself in it so I was very lucky in that sense that I could do that and it, it was equally the best and worst experience of my life <laughs> but I mean talk about a baptism of fire mm, as you say yeah. because you're there dreaming while you're turning your truckles of cheese mm. then you get on it and presumably there's part of you that goes well I'll just do the one episode mm, and then I'll mm, go back to my truckles yeah. um and and that's the kind of weird thing about telly isn't it I mean we've we've interviewed Michaela Sharp mm. who was also on it and she said it's you know it's so difficult to plan your life because you you don't know whether you're going to be away from work mm. for as you say three weeks or three months yeah it was hard and hard being away from my support network but equally that's when I kind of lent into the whole adventure of design and then 
and I'd end up on any given day, I'd be on a boat down in Brighton Pier, ripping out porthole windows for a, you know, a shepherd's hut I was doing in Wales. So it took me on this little adventure through England, meeting all these characters. And I don't really buy things online because, I mean, where I live on Mull, you, you know, you if things aren't often delivered or they have an extortionate charge. So I, and I love reclaim stuff. So I think I've visited, I could tell you, Burgess Reclamation is like yes. the best reclamation yard <laughs> within. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like I've been there like a dozen times. No like way. the the they're the places that I find the good stuff, and that's how you get more bang for your buck. So I that my baptism of fire that was my university degree. Mm, that was my apprenticeship, yeah. figuring out how to source things, how to pull it together. So can you just share a little mm. bit? I mean, obviously we, we well we do want all your secrets, mm. but we'll leave you with mm. some of what you've learned in terms mm. of sourcing because I think that's the thing people mm. really want to know is that mm. you know they've heard of these salvage yards mm. and reclamation yards yeah. but you know it can be overwhelming yeah. so just a couple of starting points for people sure I think number one thing go with an open mind don't go looking for a particular piece so I always have a loose idea of what I want to do but I'm more often inspired by my find and then I'll build a room around it if you set out to find you know say on my show last year uh, like an 18 foot high stained glass window from a church um, you're not going to find it But if you know you have to make a dividing wall in a room and you need something large, when you find that, like the brain's going to ping and you know that's my piece I'm looking for. And that's with everything I find. And I think I'm often just looking at the potential of things, what they could be, um, not what I need to find. You're not looking for the finished product. No. And, I mean, find a good builder that will make um, Mm. make it for you. Oftentimes lots of builders, you know, don't like working with old things but for me it's about you know being able to articulate what you want and finding the pieces it's just a bit of a puzzle isn't it when you're kind of so it's a two it's a two two elements the sourcing and Mm. then also the remodeling or adapting it Mm. So, like you say, finding a stained glass window on a yeah. reclamation yard, mm. but then making it into a room divider. You yeah. need someone to help you actually well, you do. change the purpose of yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I think I've got no actual practical skills. So. I was going to say no. that. I was quite I... pleased about that, because mm. otherwise, seriously, is there nothing yes, exactly. no. that you can do? So true. I'm glad that you're not with the drill. That's good. <laughs> but, but I'm also quite interested in that, because, again, I've looked at interior design masters, and I've thought, I mean, not that I would want to go on it. I, mm. couldn't, I couldn't put myself forward for that level of scrutiny but but I'm sort of thinking god everybody's really handy you know but interesting that you're not you kept that bit off camera oh no (laughs) I struggled to paint a wall so it was a really hard process for me I was panicking going into the first episode googling how to kind of cut in and I've never sewn in my life and I think um I mean I've got a really handy husband so I mean you have two Sophie so it's yeah 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 well done Banjo and I Number one. I'm married to a writer. (laughs) 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 Really good at editing my copy. Well, uh, yeah. Annoyingly, then my husband has opinions, though, so he doesn't Mm. let me do what I want to do. 
Yeah, sourcing for me is my favourite part. Like, if this all just, you know, died and went away and I could just travel around and source, like, oh, fun stuff. Oh, that's that's just, a whole business for you. That's the dream. And I find myself in the craziest places, at kind of house clearances and reclamation yards. They're where, like, all the good stuff is. So you just got to dig so a little. the hunt. You love the, the hunt. thrill of the chase. Of and the, the people chase. you meet. I mean, just to sort of move on from Design Masters and into your new mm. show which we are loving it's mm. so brilliant that is playing to all these strengths isn't it mm. there's a lot of, of sourcing but also the other big thing is this this community yeah of people yeah. You're so, uh, you know this is what also i'm feeling as a designer one of your superpowers is you just brilliant you like people <laughs> you like people and people like you well funnily enough i don't love people <laughs> <laughs> that's why he lives on the island of Malta. there's only um, about six people there no I, I appreciate the characters and like the history and the beautiful um stories people bring and the beauty of the show is using design as an entry point to learn about people which for me I think is quite an honor and it's disarming for some people so you, you know I design a rugby club or a farm croft shop for this tough bloke that you know has got these weathered hands that you know hasn't cried in years and he lives a tough life but through design I get to learn about his family he what his vulnerabilities how he wants to kind of do his ancestors proud and also pass it on to his daughter and we're extracting all of this information because I need to find out what yeah. color I need to paint yes. this little shop oh amazing. and you're learning you're getting a, a real insight into who these people are and they're really sharing their world with you and that's quite an honor and that's then the power like you say of design to actually change people's lives mm. and for them it's their livelihoods that they want to kind of protect or preserve and then that's what I love about doing the show meeting these people and getting to do something um, for them that matters and it's a special thing to be able to do and to do it in an unexpected, beautiful place like the Hebrides, that is just the icing on the cake. It's, it's lovely. I was originally going to say, do you prefer residential mm. or commercial? But listening to you talk like that, I wonder if commercial is perhaps more rewarding because it's people's livelihoods, mm. whereas residential is just, I just want a pretty bedroom to yeah. sit in and sleep. Does it? There's a bit more of an edge to commercial, which perhaps... I might not have expected on the surface. Mm. I would have thought commercial design might be a bit more soulless, mm. but it's clearly not. I think when they have skin in the game, um, you know, big, you know, Weatherspoon pubs, I mean, that that's a different story. But when you're actually designing... Like small businesses. Yeah, mm. small businesses and people that really depend on getting traffic through the door or putting food on the table, that's when they've really... It has to work really hard for them. And I think that's the people that don't always have access to good design or kind of ideas and they might just run out and, you know, buy something for the shops or just pull something together when we can kind of use reclaimed materials, a bit of ingenuity um, to create something that might exceed their expectations. And that's the joy watching their face when they realize that it's theirs and it's like, wow, you this is mine. Like that's their little kingdom. And then they're proud of it and they want to show it off and, 
build something from that. It gives them a kind of second wind. And then it also ripples out, though, to the people who are using the space mm. as well, isn't it? Mm. I mean, again, I suppose with the residential, it tends to be quite limited use. Mm. You know, you might have friends and family over, but with commercial spaces and the spaces you're talking about, it's then the customers yeah. who are visiting the shop or the cafe or the community space or whatever yeah. it is as well. So yeah. that kind of like... Well, and also then, yeah, and then bringing more people to it. The thing I think in some cases in interior design is, you know, you do the house for people because they want to finish and they want to live in it. Mm. And then they, they may not, they may not necessarily think about it again. Yeah. You know, they, it's done as far as they're concerned and they just live well, in or it. Or not done as well. Mm. Or, or yeah. not yeah. done. Encouraging them if they carry on it. tweaking. <laughs> but, but a commercial space, it, it, it lives on and it mm. evolves in a way perhaps much more than a residential space because you've got different people coming in and interacting with it and then hopefully bringing in more people and growing that business through the power of of the design that you've created. Yeah, and I think as well, there's more freedom in that commercial space. And we we could have it in our homes if we had the courage um, to, to say, oh, let's just do it. But on Interior Design Masters, I won, I say won in inverted commas, because I won more work to do a hotel <laughs> in Cornwall um, as a prize. And it wasn't necessarily a prize because um, it was that was the real baptism of fire, coming off the show and doing up a hotel in Cornwall when I'd had no real mm. commercial experience. And the, the guy that owned the hotel absolutely loved it. But he said, I will never work with you again in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> but it was a compliment because he's like everything you did was sourced as a one-off thing it was reclaimed um it was vintage and he says when you own a hotel everything needs to be replicable yes and uh... um you know cleanable and you know practical and he said that's everything your space is not i love it because i'd love you to come and design my house but i'm never employing you again. Yeah, <laughs> commercial yeah. designer. so it's hard you've got to strike that balance but then i guess that's michelle then yeah. You know, in the background telling, mm. I told you so. <laughs> Do you hear <laughs> that voice all yeah. the time? I'm quite fascinated at your sort of life journey growing up in Australia, as you said, next to a racetrack. Yes, and Western Australia, is that Perth? Uh, is that on the left? No, Central West Australia, so about four or five hours from Sydney. It feels very different mm. to this tiny little island that you live yeah. on now. And I'm just wondering how your childhood in Australia has obviously shaped who you mm. are in this I'm going to say it, quite eccentric life that you've Mm -hmm. carved out for yourself. How was it growing up in Australia and what were your sort of design inspirations? Well, I guess I didn't even realise that the design was a thing. Apart from rearranging the furniture and picking colours of my room, Australians are so less adventurous in design. I think because we have such a connection with outside, we spend lots of our time outdoors. And so often our houses are painted white or grey and, you know, they're open plan and they're filled with light. And, you know, if you're lucky, then they're so kind of bringing in textures. And it certainly changed a lot more um, from when I was a kid. But when I moved to the UK, the whole concept of wallpaper was just Mm. so (laughs) foreign to me and pattern and all of this stuff that the UK and, you know, 
British design does so well and that eccentricity. In Australia, it was just kind of all the same. I think you had all these post-war houses that were all identical and then all of the same kind of big box shops that we all got our furniture from. Um, and, and there's no real individuality and history. And I don't think in, and in many ways, maybe hadn't quite found our design nows. Um, and it's, it's getting so much better, but I didn't grow up with those. You didn't but, but I suppose, in a really creative environment. No, I didn't. I suppose if you've got the beauty of nature mm. to inspire you and you're mm. out in nature all the time, yeah. your house is, is second. That's more of a place to yeah. sleep, isn't it? And keep yeah. the rain off. Whereas perhaps in this country, mm. where you the weather's less, we're indoors much more. And nature, I mean, yes, the, the, the British countryside can mm. be very beautiful. Mm. But we can't be in it as much. Yeah. So maybe that's where the wallpaper, I'm guessing, because wallpaper must have started with that traditional mm. English floral thing. Yeah. And it was as well just, you know, where I lived in a small country town. And, you know, my, my dad was a forklift driver and my mum looked after kids. And so, you know, um, that wasn't prioritised, our house. But I had my imagination and I lived in this imaginary world in my head. that, And I didn't have so many friends that I created these worlds in my head and I always dreamed of building these worlds and and I knew that there was kind of you know more out there but I didn't have necessarily as much encouragement to do that when I was a kid just because you know I didn't have people to kind of push me in that direction. Are you an only child? No, I've got a sister and she's a nurse and she lives in the same town that we grew up in and um, they, it's a beautiful kind of place and it's a, it's a lovely life but I, I always knew that I needed to get out mm. and run away as far as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I did. And star on a TV show for the BBC yeah. and win it. <laughs> I love it. It's an absolutely fascinating story. So what's new moving forward? I mean, I know you're working on the new TV show at the moment, yeah. which is why we've got you down here. Yeah. And the book's just out. Oh, gosh, is there anything yeah. else on the horizon? Um, well, I'm actually about to film. I, I do a show in Scotland called Scotland's Home of the Year. And they have a little spin-off called Scotland's Christmas Home of the Year. Oh, oh yes! <laughs> is this just decorations? It's decorations. And, I mean, I love Christmas, but these people really, really love Christmas. Love and, I mean, they're decorating their loos, and, and it's way over the top, and I love it. Oh, my God, I love that you're here for that. <laughs> Christmas in Australia, yeah. I mean, you don't live on the beach, but, mm. the, but the sun, and, you mm. know, for us, that's feels very exotic yeah. and you've now turned up in Scotland where I don't know if you get snow but I'm guessing it's not out of the way I no. mean what which which one's best sun uh, or snow I love that the, the Christmases you grew up with all like in the books and the movies like a winter Christmas and I always felt short-changed mm. that we didn't have that so in you Australia. still have those in your books yeah oh that's oh, Christmas cards and everything like that and yeah. Christmas yeah, well yeah. usually <laughs> our Christmas card would be Skippy or a kangaroo bouncing through snow oh um, <laughs> <laughs> Instead That's of reindeer. Um, yeah. But I mean, I loved Christmas Day, but I mean, it was just, you know, you're outside in the backyard, you know, in thongs or flip flops and, you know, eating prawns. Because yeah, it's summer as well, right? Yeah, it's yeah. summer, it's yeah. scorching hot, and it's not Christmas here. It's just magical here. Australia is just a bit of a boozer. And what do you, yeah. what does Christmas look like around at your house? Oh, it's wild. We put a big tree in the, in the barn on the farm. Uh, usually we, you know, we, we go in. Into the woods and we get this big tree and 
where we're all kind of will spend a night decorating it, you know, drinking mulled wine. And it's a special because it's like lots of blended kind of families and, you know, a motley crew of people on the farm who have somehow ended up there and you know they're our chosen family and we've been adopted into this family and so we're all together just just having fun and eating lots of cheese (laughs) (laughs) of course of course tell us then is is scotland's christmas home Mm. is that on throughout the UK is yeah. it? Can you find it if you're in America? Yeah, you'll uh, or you'll. It's on BBC iPlayer, but it's it's on BBC Scotland too. But we go to nine houses, and it's just a kind of a whistle stop tour through Scotland. And you've got like the garish, crazy stuff to beautiful. Like a lady last year um, had her whole house was kind of decked out in William Morris, and it was just this vintage wonderland of oh, Christmas. Wow. Yeah, I love all that. Yeah. I was going to say what's mm. your favourite or what's your most outrageous can you give mm. us a sneak peek of the show that's coming up or? oh I haven't filmed it yet but it's hilarious because we film it in November so I'm so having are you, to... are we going to see last year's come out this Christmas no last year's was out last year at, uh, at oh. Christmas Eve so right. we film it in November for Christmas Eve and so it is going to come out Christmas yeah. Eve oh yeah. okay oh. look out for Beautiful. that so you don't know what you're going to get yet no and I'm slightly terrified because yeah. it's yeah. a positive show so there's yeah. nothing negative so sometimes your words don't match your face. <laughs> That's for people playing at home. Yeah. Oh, I love well, that. I'm going to yeah. make sure I have a glass of mulled wine, yeah. a plate of cheese, and I'll be tuning into that. Going to be right pressed up to the I screen, will. looking at Banjo's face oh, and I listening to it. his words and seeing if we can spot the difference. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Banjo, thank you so much oh, for joining you. us today. I really appreciate the fact that you've Bed your way around here in between sourcing for your new TV and show, which gonna... will be out, what, next spring or something? Uh, April, I think, after Interior Design, Design Masters. Masters, yeah. Okay. Oh, thank amazing. you, ladies. Oh, it's so been much. wonderful. Mm. Thank you so much. Now, before we go, can I just remind you once more about our great Indoors Insiders Club, where you can enjoy ad-free listening, bonus content, and our weekly newsletter with style tips and sourcing ideas. Oh, Banjo, we'll have to get you to give us your sourcing ideas for our, our insiders this week. Just visit the great indoorspodcast.com to sign up we'll be back next week with a thrifty Christmas special so don't forget to tune in or subscribe in time for that and of course that will be followed by our star surgery the last one of the year so simply send us an email or preferably a voice note to help at thegreatindoorspodcast.com All that remains then is to thank Banjo for coming to talk to us this week and our lovely producer, Sarah Cudden of Feast Collective. And a big thank you to you, our lovely listeners. And we'll see you in the great indoors.